We don't talk about it very often, do we? The spiritual wilderness of doubt and sadness, anxiety, and even depression. That overwhelming sense of lonely isolation and downright despair are not easy subjects for us to talk about at dinner parties or get-togethers or while standing along the sidelines with the other smiling parents at our kids' soccer games. People ask us how we're doing, and we're more likely to say, fine, because we're just not sure we have the energy to tell folks what's really going on or the reserves to deal with what we imagine their response might be if we told them that our emotional well has run dry. For people of faith, melancholy and loneliness seem antithetical to our don't worry, be happy, God's got this kind of religion. But the truth is many, if not most of us, experience a sense of inexplicable heartache or dull and ambiguous sadness about life every now and then. Most of us are all too familiar with that feeling of having an emotional wet rag of discouragement slopped over our shoulders. How tired we feel wearing it as we try to go about our daily business as inconspicuously as possible for fear of being found out or appearing weak or simply because we don't want to be the Debbie Downer in the group who drags everyone else into our gloomy fog of woe. In today's episode of Rags of Light, we'll meet a man named Jimmy from Nashville, who was so low, so lost in the dark night of the soul, that he lost his faith altogether. And we'll meet the woman named Kate, who threw him a lifeline that very well might have been the gift that not only salvaged his faith, but may have saved his life. This episode is called, When the Well Runs Dry. I'm Mark Giuliano, and you're listening to Rags of Light, the podcast where ordinary people's extraordinary stories help light our way. Shoulder to shoulder, I know we'll find a way. Shoulder to shoulder, we'll build a better day. And I don't know about tomorrow, and I don't know about today. But in the deep of the darkest night, oh Lord, I know you'll light, I know you'll light the way. Anxiety, melancholy, depression. We've seen it in everyone from the prophet Jeremiah, who some scholars call the weeping prophet because of his heart-wrenching laments, to Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation, who described his paralyzing gloom as the dark night of the soul. He had a sense of utter isolation from and loneliness for God. It's what drove King David, the songwriter, to compose the 22nd Psalm the very lament that Jesus prayed from the wilderness of Golgotha, that hill of skulls where he hung bleeding to death on the cross. With his dying breaths, Jesus cried out to God, Eloi, Eloi, 
Lama Sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jimmy, a young man in the church I was serving in West Nashville, was lost in an emotional wilderness like that, feeling forsaken, forgotten, abandoned by God. In his despair, Jimmy had given up on himself, too. Like so many others, Jimmy had moved to Nashville to become a songwriter in the Music City's thriving music scene. But after a couple of years, he had nothing to show for his efforts. His dreams had melted into a puddle of failed attempts. He hadn't sold one single song, and he wasn't playing out at many songwriters' nights anymore either. Jimmy had slipped into a funk. He was sad more days than he was happy. Then things got worse. When he lost his day job, Jimmy tripped and fell over the edge into a full-blown state of depression. He was in a nosedive and couldn't pull up. And to make matters worse, his wife was growing weary from trying to help her scruffy husband, who spent most of his days in his pajamas strumming aimless tunes and unfinished songs on his guitar. Over time, she started to fall out of love with Jimmy, the unshaven man in her bed dozing in and out of a restless sleep throughout the night and often throughout the daytime too. Eventually, she packed up the kids and moved out. How painful it must have been for Jimmy to have sat through our cheery services of praise and celebration on Sunday mornings. I have to hand it to him, though. Getting cleaned up and coming to church would have been hard, but I think it was the only constant thing he had going in his life at that time. Still, hearing messages of God's faithfulness and God's steadfast love, well, secretly his life was falling apart, must have been difficult for him to have swallowed. I recall one Sunday, after we'd sung our last hymn and said our final amen for the morning, and then filed into the fellowship hall for some refreshments and for some really important time of friendship, especially for lonely folks like Jimmy. I set my lemonade down and invited myself to join a round table where six or seven other folks were already seated. One by one, we went around the circle, just checking in on each other. Most folks at the table had had a good week. Some expressed appreciation to me for the uplifting service that day, which made me feel great. But then it was Jimmy's turn. Jimmy heaved a heavy sigh of disappointment and shook his head from side to side as he confessed to us. I don't know, y'all. Things are going so badly for me right now. I just don't know 
if I believe in God anymore. We could read Jimmy's face, see it in his eyes, hear it in his broken voice and sad declaration of his unbelief. Jimmy had given up on God. He'd given up on the God he believed had given up on him. And Jimmy had given up on himself too. Every single one of us at that table worried that soon Jimmy would give up on life altogether. Immediately, as the only pastor at the table, I felt like the pressure was on. In my mind, I started rifling through a thousand files of inspirational quotes, biblical passages, anything to say that might encourage Jimmy. I scrambled through my thoughts from Anselm to Zwingli, Anna to Zell, and everyone in between. Bart and Bonhoeffer, my great teachers like Buttrick, Hall, and William Sloan Coffin. I should have some pearls of wisdom to counter Jimmy's doubts in God. I was a pastor, after all, and a doctoral student at one of the top universities in the country, if not the world. I should have something of value to contribute here. After all, this broken man had just expressed to us his growing disbelief in God. But do you know what I came up with in that moment? Nothing. At least nothing I thought would satisfy Jimmy. But do you know who did have something helpful to say? In fact, something perfect and wise. It was Kate, a woman about my age, an elder in our congregation, and a salt-of-the-earth person of faith who'd been where Jimmy was many times herself, a person who knew what it was to search high and low for the light of God through the dark night of the soul and not catch so much as a flicker hiding in the corner of her imagination, a person who'd drawn from the well of her faith, dipping her bucket in deep only to have it come up empty many times before. Kate knew exactly what to say, something pure and simple, honest and true. It was like the Holy Spirit had placed Kate at just the right table that day. Her compassionate listening and her kind words would do the rest. Kate turned to Jimmy with a warm and genuine smile and said, Jimmy, that's okay. Until you get through this, We'll believe for you. And just like that, we could see by the look on his face that Jimmy was coming back to us. He'd been pulled out of the wilderness by Kate's lifeline, drawn toward us, toward those who didn't judge him or pile on thin words cropped from a meme or bumper sticker or some theology textbook. was okay not to believe for a while and to trust that his faith friends would believe for him. 
And let me tell you, Kate meant every word of it, too. For her, believing for someone else meant a daily phone call, sometimes two, just to check in on Jimmy. She made sure he got himself up in the morning and cheered him on as he went about the hard work of knocking on doors to look for a new job or to finish a song and then to try and sell a song. For Kate, believing for Jimmy also meant praying with him and for him. When I was a kid and would awaken in the middle of the night, frightened by the darkness all around me, my mother would let me crawl into bed with her and my dad. She'd put her arm around me until I fell back to sleep. She never took the darkness away, but she was there with me throughout the night until I could sleep on my own again. In a way, I think that's what Kate was doing for Jimmy. She couldn't chase the darkness away, but she could be there with him throughout the dark night of his soul. I often think about Kate and her wise and gentle words and her faith-saving, life-saving ministry with Jimmy. She reminds me of the better part of what it is to be a person of faith. It's not just to believe for ourselves, but to believe for one another. We all get lost in the darkness from time to time. And if we can't seem to find the light of God within ourselves, people like Kate remind me that we can find it in those others who dare to believe for us. Thank you, Kate. Mark Giuliano here. Hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode of Rags of Light. If you did, please subscribe to our podcast or share with family and friends or someone who might need just a little inspiration. Rags of Light, where ordinary people's extraordinary stories help light the way. Shoulder to shoulder, I know we'll find a way. Shoulder to shoulder, the darkest night alone.